Kantrutan, Chapter 60 Lord Krishna teases Queen Rukmini. The son of Badarayana of Vyasa said, He, the spiritual master of the universe, one day, comfortably being positioned on Rukmini's bed, was served by her who, together with her female companions, was fanning him, her husband. He, the unborn lord, the supreme controller who sends forth, protects and devours the universe, now was born among the Yadus to play his game and defend his rule. That private part of the palace was brilliantly decorated with strings of pearls and resplendent with a canopy, with lamps made out of jewels, and with jasmine flower garlands swarming with humming bees. The light of the spotless moon was filtered through the openings of the lattice windows. The wind carried the fragrance from the grove of parijata trees and thus transported the atmosphere from the garden, and the exciting scent of a guru incense o king was escaping through the window openings. There she served her husband, the controller of all worlds, who was comfortably seated on an excellent pillow on the bed that shone white as milk foam. The goddess took a yak hair fan with a jeweled handle from the hand of a maid servant and, performing worship, fanned her master with it. Standing at Krishna's side, making sounds with her jeweled ankle bells, she appeared beautifully with her rings, bangles and fan in her hand, with her garment that with its tip concealed her breasts, red of the kumkum, with the glow of her necklace and with the priceless belt she wore around her hips. As she pleased, smiled with her locks, earrings and jewels around her neck, her bright and happy face and sweet lips, he recognized her as an appearance of the goddess of fortune who, with no other purpose in life, for the sake of his pastime, corresponds with bodies befitting the forms that he assumes. The Lord then spoke. The Supreme Lord said, O Princess, you were desired by kings, rulers of the world of beauty, strength and generosity, who were abundantly endowed with great powers, influence and opulence. Rejecting suitors at your disposition like Shishupala and others who, mad because of Cupid, were offered to you by your brother and father, I wonder why you have chosen for us so different from them. In fear of the kings, O lovely-browed one, and having moved to the ocean for shelter, we were of enmity with the ones in power and have well-nigh relinquished the throne. O beautiful eyebrows, women concerned with men whose behavior is uncertain usually have to suffer. They follow a path that is not acceptable to normal society. We with no possessions are dear to those people who have nothing themselves, and therefore we as a rule are not very popular among the rich who rarely pay me any respect or fine-wasted lady. Marriage and friendship is there between two people equal in property, birth, influence, physique and prospects, and never between a superior and an inferior in this. O Princess of Vidarbha, you could not foresee this. You did not know when you chose for us who missed the good qualities, we who are praised by beggars out of their mind. Now, please accept for yourself a husband that is suitable, a first-class noble capable of fulfilling all your wishes in this life and the next.
Shishupala, Shalva, Jarasandha, Dantavakra and other kings all hate me, O you with your beautiful legs, and so does your older brother Rukmi. I took you with me, O good one, in order to dispel the pride and arrogance of those who are blinded by the intoxication of their power. We wanted to restrain the power of the wicked ones. Indifferent about a home and a body, we do not really care about wives, children and wealth. Free from any endeavouring, we remain completely satisfied within ourselves, just like a light doing nothing more. Sri Shuka said, After the Supreme Lord had said this as the destroyer of the pride of she who as his beloved one thought herself inseparable, he stopped. From the master of the lords of the three worlds, her own beloved, she, the goddess, had never before heard such an unpleasant thing. With fear growing in her heart, she, trembling with a terrible anxiety, then began to sob. With her most delicate foot that glowed red of her nails, she scratched the earth, and while she with her tears smeared the makeup of her eyes and sprinkled the red kunkuma powder on her breasts, she froze, face downward, with her speech checked by her extreme sorrow. Because of her great grief, fear and anguish, not thinking clearly any more, her bangles slipped and her fan fell from her hand. With her mind disrupted, she suddenly swooned. Her body fell to the ground, with her hair scattered, like she was a plantain tree blown down by the wind. The moment he, not being understood by her, saw what the full import of his joking meant to the bond of divine love with his beloved, the Supreme Lord, merciful Krishna, felt sorry for her. He quickly got down from the bed and picked her up with his forearms. Gathering her hair, he wiped her face with his lotus hand. Wiping her tear-filled eyes and smeared breasts, O king, he put his arm around her who, chaste as she was, had no other object of desire. The master, the expert in pacification, compassionately consoled her who so pitiably was confused by his clever joking. Being motivated for the goal of all pure souls, she did not deserve this. The Supreme Lord said, O Vaidarbi, do not be unhappy with me. I know you are fully dedicated to me, my dearest. I acted in jest to hear what you would say. This is how I wanted to see the face of love, with lips trembling in agitation, glances cast from the corners of reddish eyes and beautiful eyebrows knit together. To spend time joking with one's beloved is indeed for a mundane householder the greatest achievement in family life, O timid one of temperament. Sri Shuka said, Vaidarbi, O king, thus completely pacified by the Supreme Lord, understood that his words had been playful and gave up her fear of being rejected by her beloved. Bashfully, with a charming smile looking the Supreme Lord in the face, she, O descendant of Bharata, with affectionate glances addressed the best of all men. Sri Rukmini said, Well, so be it. It is as you said, O lotus-eyed one, I am different from you who are the Supreme Lord. Who am I compared to the Almighty One who takes pleasure in his own glory? 
who am I compared to the controller, the supreme lord of the three principal deities? What now would be my position as someone whose feet are held by fools because of her material qualities? It is true, you, O Urukrama, lord of the greater order, laid yourself down in the ocean as if you would be afraid of the modes. You always, in the pure awareness of the supreme soul, battle against the badness of the material senses and, with your servants, have rejected the position of a king because it means blind ignorance. For sages who relish the honey of your lotus-like feet, your path is not that apparent, while it is even impossible to comprehend for animals in a human form. For, as in common, as the activities of you, the supreme controller, are, O all-powerful one, just as unusual are the actions of those who follow you. You are without possessions, for beyond you there is nothing to be found. To you, even enjoyers of offerings like Brahma and others carry offerings. Materially satisfied persons, who are blinded by their status, do not know you as their death, but you are most dear to the great enjoyers, just as they are dear to you. You are the ultimate goal, comprising all the goals of human life. You are the very self, longing for whom intelligent persons discard everything. They are the ones who delight in your association, O Omnipotent One, and not the man and woman who in their mutual attraction, their lust, experience pleasure and pain. You are the supreme soul of all the worlds who gives himself away, and about whose prowess the sages speak who gave up their staff. You were, for that reason, chosen by me in rejection of those masters of heaven, the one born on the lotus Brahma and the one ruling existent Shiva. What would my interest be in others whose aspirations are destroyed by the force of time that is generated by your eyebrows? How foolish were the words you used, saying that you have taken shelter in the ocean out of fear, O Gadakraja, or you who by twinging your sharnga drove back the kings when you abducted me, your deserved tribute, the way a lion snatches his share away from the animals. The kings Anga, Vanya, Jayanta, Nausha, Gaya and others, for want of you, have abandoned their crown, their absolute sovereignty over their kingdoms, and entered the forest, O lotus-eyed one. Would they, being fixed on your path, have suffered in this world? Which woman would take shelter of another man once she has smelled the by the saints described aroma of your lotus feet, the feet where Lakshmi resides and that for all people bestow liberation? Which mortal woman with the insight to ascertain what's best for her would not take you seriously as the abode of all qualities and would choose for someone who is always of great fear because of his false ego? I have chosen for him, yourself, the ultimate master and supreme soul of all worlds, as the one suitable to fulfill my desires in this life and the next. May therefore me, who wandered on different paths, be the shelter of your feet, that, when they approach their worshipper, award with liberation from all falsehood. Leave the kings you mentioned, O Achuta, to the mercy of those women in whose homes they are like asses, oxen, dogs, cats and slaves, because these women never put their ears close to the corn that you, as the plague of your enemies, are, O you who are sung and discussed in the scholarly assemblies of Marida and Virincha.
The woman, who is not smelling the honey of your lotus feet, is of a totally bewildered notion. She worships, as her partner, a living corpse containing flesh, bones, blood, worms, stool, mucus, bile and air, that is covered by skin, whiskers, bodily hair, nails and head hair. O lotus-eyed one, let there be my love for the feet of you who take more pleasure in the true self than in me. The very moment you, in order to expand this universe, assume a predominance of passion and glance upon me, you show us the greatest mercy. I think your words are not entirely untrue, O killer of Madhu. An unmarried girl, once in a while, may feel attracted to another man, like it happened to Amba. Even being married, the mind of a promiscuous woman is attracted to yet another man. When one is intelligent, one should not keep such an unfaithful woman, for when one stays attached to her, one will have fallen in both this and the next life. The Supreme Lord said, All that you replied is correct. What I have said, fooling you, O Princess, I did because I wanted to hear you speak about this, O virtuous lady. O fair lady, you can always count on whatever benedictions you desire from me in order to be freed from the lust, O gracious one, O you, who are exclusively devoted to me. O sinless one, I have understood your pure love and adherence to your husband in vows, for being disturbed by my words, your mind, attached to me, could not be diverted. They, who with lust in their hearts, fall for civil status and worship me with penances and adherence to vows, are bewildered by the illusory energy of me, the controller of the final beatitude. O sweetheart, unfortunate are they who, having achieved me, the master of both emancipation and riches, only desire material benefits. These are even available for persons living in hell, and therefore is for those who are obsessed with sense gratification, hell the most suitable place. Fortunately, O mistress of the house, you constantly rendered the faithful service to me that grants liberation from material existence. That service is most difficult for mischievous characters, especially women with bad intentions, who only care for their own life-breath and derive pleasure from breaking of relations. O respectful one, in my palaces I can find no wife as loving as you are, you who at the time of her marriage disregarded the kings who had arrived, you who, having heard the stories about my truth, sent a Brahmin carrier to me with a confidential message. When your brother, who was defeated in battle and disfigured, on the day of the marriage ceremony, got killed during a gambling match, you suffered unbearable grief. But, afraid to be separated from us, you did not say a word, and that is how you conquered us. When I did not show up, after you sent a messenger with the most confidential bidding to obtain my person, you considered this world all empty and wanted to give up this body that would not be of anyone else's service. May you always be that way of fortitude, and may we always rejoice in it. Sri Shuka said, Thus in intimate conversations, following the cause of the human world, the Supreme Lord and Ruler of the Universe 
took pleasure in enjoying himself with Rama. In the residences of the other queens, he, the Almighty Lord and spiritual master of all the worlds, behaved similarly like a householder and carried out the duties of a family man.